0: love this podcast support this show through the acar supporter feature it's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment just hit the link in the show description to support now
1: welcome to backstage with the podcast that takes you behind the scenes with your favorite actors and creatives in the world of musical theater I'm Mikey Worrell. Today we're going backstage with Wendy Peters at the Pleasance Theatre in North London, where she's playing Sylvie in Call Me Vicky. It's a true story about a transgender woman in the 1980s. The writers are Vicky's real-life nieces, and they're both in the play too. Wendy is obviously best known for playing Scylla in Coronation Street, but I bet you don't know much about all the other stuff she did before that. Nowadays, she's a big supporter of new writing, which is what brought her to this play. Here's our conversation. Wendy Peters, welcome to the podcast. Hello, it's lovely to be here. We're at the Pleasants Theatre, we which are. is quite nifty, I've never been here before.
0: No, it's a great space, isn't it? It's a great building. It's, it's really interesting, with really interesting spaces, not your normal theatre spaces, with a lovely, but it's got a really nice feel to it. It's a very friendly feel. It's a bit like a TARDIS, though, because you walk up some little steps and think, where on earth am I going? And then um, you walk in and there's this beautiful little bar, and upstairs the big space, and downstairs the little space, and it's really good.
1: You are here to be in Call Me Vicky, mm-hmm. which is 1980s London. It, is. it sounds like quite a journey. Just tell me a little bit about the story. It is.
0: The story of Call Me Vicky started with Nicola and Stacey, who are in the play, but they've also written it. It's a story about their godmother, Vicky, who, before they were born, transitioned into Vicky. And they only ever knew her as Vicky until when they, were, they, they got to their teens, sort of 16, 17, 18, and they were walking down Romford High Street with their mum and said... And just out of the blue, it came out, and one of them said, Mom, was Vicky a man? And then the story came out that Vicky, their godmother, was, um, but they'd only known her as Vicky. So they started chatting about it and talking with their mum. And mum said, Well, why don't you try and, you know, obviously about 10 years on, why don't you then try and try and piece something together? So this is the result after lots of chatting. With Vicky of the of, of how it was in the eighties, which was very difficult. I mean, you know, it's not it's still not easy now, as it should be. You know, everybody should just accept it, but it was even less accepted back in mid eighties. Um, so it's about it's about Vicky's journey, that J word, from transitioning, and we come in from the play at the beginning, about six months into the transition, she's been living as Vicky, and it's it's about the relationships with her mother, with her. F- new friend that she meets, Sid and their relationship as that builds, relationship with her best friend Deb, who in real life would have been um, Nicola and Stacy's mom, and it, it sees it through that transition of her working in The Golden Girl, which was a club in Soho in the 80s and she did work there uh, uh, working with, with everybody there and then what she was having to do to make money to save for this operation and be taken seriously by the NHS and have bits, you know that some of it done privately, and it also, although it's a lot of fun in it, with because it's set in a club in Soho. There's a lot on the drag scene, which is hilarious. It also sees the the more sensitive side of not being accepted and being picked up when she was out clipping out on the streets and being picked up by the police and actually put into a, obviously a man's prison, but at the time she was living as a woman. Um, and so that's really really hard and and it it was awful there are some awful awful bits some bits which couldn't be put into the play so hopefully people will see it it's a real up and down highs and lows of, of Vicky's journey
1: and how does your character fit into Vicky's story?
0: I play Sylvie who is Vicky's mother and it's set in the Golden Girl nightclub and it's also set in their council flat on Elephant and Castle, which is where they lived in this estate, which again was in the 80s wasn't really accepted, and and that is sort of how Sylvie comes in at the beginning. She loves her daughter, as as she is trying as she's living now. She sort of understands because she's always known that there was something slightly different about her, but still that niggling of uh, I think more of worry about how people are going to react to her but also a bit of worry for herself how will people react to her on the estate if if Vicky's out there dressed up as Vicky when she hasn't fully transitioned into Vicky but de- deep down the main thing is a mother's love and wanting to know that Vicky's okay and and it will all be okay for her. How
1: did you prepare for this? How did you research? Did you look at uh, the 1980s a lot in terms of acceptance I mean, did, and history?
0: Uh, did, yeah, as as in, as in the style of the 90s, 80s, I was there, unfortunately, because I'm quite old. It was when I first came to London to go to college, and I actually got my equity card dancing in uh, that kind of club-ish. <laughs> they turned the Piccadilly Theatre into a nightclub on a Saturday night. Philip Salon, who did all Boy George's stuff, he turned it into a nightclub after, at the time, a funny thing happened on the way to the Forum was on, and on a Saturday night, i trundled down, I was doing follow spot at the Prince Edward, i trundled down, there were four of us girls, and in order to have an alcohol licence late into the night, he had to have an act on stage. So we improvised for four hours on stage, I hated every single minute of it, but it opened my eyes and it made me work very hard to get my equity card so i understand the era and all the stuff that goes on down in the club as for the acceptance because i don't I really have any experience of that we did a workshop about 18 months ago at Stratford East of the play and a fabulous guy called Cairo who was transitioning into, from a woman into a man came and chatted to us. We had a really in-depth discussion about how it worked going that way. We've had a lot of talks about that way. We haven't actually met a trans woman. We met trans men and the same with this and there's been lots of discussions about it but of course that was more of how it is now. So we've tried to think back and and the girls have got their experience from Vicky, from their godmother, about all that. So we have done a lot of talking about it and a lot of research and a lot of reading about it. Because it isn't just something you can think you know about and and do lightly. Not at all.
1: There's a lot of queer theatre about at the moment, specifically in London. We've Mm -hmm. had The Inheritance, we've Mm -hmm. got the new gay plot in Company, which is fab. Do you think it's of the moment to sort of hear these stories?
0: Yeah, I think it's brilliant. I think it's wonderful that at last the stories are being told because it's not something that should be brushed under the carpet this is the world we live in now and and I think it's all about acceptance and the play is about acceptance as to whatever you may be and whoever you are everybody should just accept them and it, it is about that but it is fabulous and I think there's something on the park as well um, yes there is gently down the stream yeah. uh, another one which looks brilliant and I wish I could get to see it because, but I'm here that's the new thing when you work and you can't get to see things so it is brilliant that it is out there and people are able to come and and, and watch wonderful plays, wonderful writing but also learn about it and try and understand it more because I think it's like anything it's not that people are, 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 are against it or have a major, major opinion it's lack of understanding and lack of knowledge it's educating people in, in it and, and trying to understand it more.
1: You talked a little bit about your early days in your career. Mm-hmm. You've had such a varied career so far.
0: Yeah, I'm very lucky.
1: You seem to be one of the very few people, I mean, I can't name anyone else who's moved between plays, musicals, TV and films so much in such a short time.
0: I know, I, I, yeah, I, I feel really, really lucky. I don't know about a short time, I've been doing it for 30 years now. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I think... The first 10 years were mainly uh, musicals and then into comedy. And and then I decided... I mean, it, it was sort of set up. I'm, you know, it didn't just happen very easily. I put myself out of work for two years because I, I loved doing my musicals, but I'd sort of got to an age where I was too old to play your Jans in Greece and your Slice Saturday Nights and, and Red Riding and Into the Woods I did. And I got to that point where I was too old to be playing the teenagers, but just a bit too young and too big cheek to be playing the mothers and, and those kind of roles. So I decided, I, I put myself out of work wanting to, to go for more TV and more stuff. And it slowly, slowly, the two lines in, Cardiac arrest came up, the two scenes in Out of the Blue, a TV drama, and I suppose in that respect, Bad Girls was my first sort of big TV break, where I had about six, I think it was five or six episodes, and then, and then you know, lucky, luckily, Corrie came along, and I adored doing it, and I loved it, and I sometimes wonder, I'm sure, you know, I'd still be plodding along and doing things and still working, but it'd be, it, I sometimes wonder, and I shouldn't really, because I'm very, very lucky with what I do as to how my career might have gone had I not had that. Because although it was wonderful and I loved every minute of it, it has sort of, and it's given me opportunities to do lots and lots of things, it's sort of put a stop on other things. But it's sort of put a stop on other other jobs because people are still very narrow-minded when it comes to that. And they say, oh, she's been in a soap. Oh, goodness me, can can she do stuff, can she act? Well, if you look back before, yes, that's what I was doing, there's certain things that I would love to be seen for, and I don't even get considered for. But I am very lucky to be doing everything that I do.
1: I want to just go back
0: a little bit before Corey. Mm-hmm. Am I right in saying that Hello, Dolly! was your first musical? It was. Where did you do that? I did that on tour in 1988 with Dora Blair- Bryan playing um, playing Dolly Levi, and Catherine Evans was um, was in it, and um, it was it was wonderful. It was sort of my first musical, um, my first big tour out of college and it was fabulous a great show a great company and and, you know a few of us are still in touch we had a reunion a couple of years ago and I met my husband on it so you know it was a great great job and of course we had to go we had to go to New York a couple of years ago and go and see Bette Midler of course yeah yeah. and David Hyde Pierce oh it was great the pair of them were brilliant
1: you did a lot of work in the north when you first started it was the Crucible in Sheffield right yeah I love Sheffield that used to be such a way into the industry didn't it or the the rep companies do you think that still exists as, as a a a way into a career
0: i don't think necessarily as much um you know it's how it's, it's how we because you had to work your 40 weeks to get your full equity card the rep rep system became the way of doing it unfortunately it's not as much it doesn't seem to happen as much now what seems to happen more is the london fringe seems to have become the new rep you know, that people are doing those jobs straight out of college to gain their experience. And so it's not quite the same. But, I, you know, we don't have as many rep houses playing now, unfortunately. The Crucible Sheffield is still going strong, and I love it there. I was back in Sheffield at Christmas but at the Lyceum doing panto. I've only ever done eight pantos. And I worked this out at Christmas when I was there. In my 30-odd years, I've only done eight pantos, and four of them have been in Sheffield. So it is a bit like a second home. I love it there.
1: And it's a great city for theatre. Oh, theater. it's
0: brilliant. Wonderful. The Crucible put on brilliant things. And then luckily, 100 yards away, they've got the Lyceum bringing fabulous tours in.
1: The other thing I wanted to ask you about is you, you did all these great shows in the 90s, like Into the Woods in 92 mm-hmm. and Noises Off in 97. Mm-hmm. What are your favourite memories
0: from being in shows like that? I just, I loved everything about that. I've never been one that is happy doing long contracts. The longest contract I've ever done is six months, and that was a bit of a push. Um, and it's 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 not that I... It, don't get me wrong, you know, I stayed four years in Corrie, so I suppose that's my longest contract. But theatre-wise, it's just never something that has really, truly appealed to me. I, I wouldn't say I get bored, but I love a challenge. And, and for me, you know, doing something... And that's why I love the rep. Doing something, rehearsing four weeks, playing for three it's just ideal move on to something else I did a rep season at with, when Noises Off was in that at Westcliff, and that was lovely uh, and that was proper rep you know rehearsing the next play during the day and doing the, the other one at night so that was hard hard work but really fabulous for the brain and I just love doing different things and doing different challenges. And that's what I love now. The fact, you know, I, tomorrow morning I can be doing a voiceover and then I can be going to the theatre and then I can be going and doing a musical or recording some songs or doing my cabaret. I did my cabaret last week at Zadel. I, I love doing all the different things. And my husband was very good. He was the one that was quite happy to be in Cats for three years while I <laughs> was out of work and doing other
1: things. Amazing. You got to sing I Know Things Now at Sondheim's 75th birthday concert at Drury Lane.
0: Blimey, I did, yes, yeah.
1: Tell me about that night. Was that a pinch me moment?
0: It was a little bit, yeah. One, it was, of course you were at a fabulous Theatre all Drury Lane the cast surrounding me was just phenomenal you know some people I had worked with Rosie Ash was there who I'd done Into the Woods with and we had a wonderful night and I got to sing with Clive Carter because I did the the wolf and uh, yeah the wolf thing as well and then I did I Know Things Now and the funny thing was and then I did State Fair with Clive a couple of years ago at Cadogan Hall but the funny thing was and he remembered me I dressed on the London production of Into the Woods no way I dressed the, the stepsisters yeah and, and and I said do you remember he said yeah yes I was one of the dressers and now I'm stood on Drury Lane stage singing with you because we had a bit of a break before so we went for a, a quick drink before the actual show and we were chatting about it and it was just a wonderful experience to be there uh, celebrating with everybody such a genius I'd love to do more of his shows definitely I'm guessing you've met him I haven't met you him you haven't met him no <laughs> I would love to meet him I suppose
1: that, that night everyone would have been trying to get yeah. get a piece yeah yeah
0: what would you say to him if you did meet him? Oh, I don't know. I think thank you. I think it'd just be a big, big it sums thank it you. Up. Thank you, because it's, it's, he's just a genius. You know, It is that, that musical genius. But again, like I was saying about a challenge, everything he does is challenging, some, challenging actors and challenging the audience. You know, you don't go in there thinking, I'm going to have a lovely evening. You know, you, you do think I'm going to have a lovely evening, but you don't think I can't sit back and relax, really, because I've got to use my brain and that's the joy of it
1: I feel like you can always pick out the people who've never seen a sundown before oh goodness it's not
0: my mum and dad's idea of fun it's a real it's a you know it's it's definitely an acquired taste yeah but yeah you can pick them out and go what have I come to see yeah
1: especially in act 2 of Into the Woods right
0: (laughs) yeah that's the best
1: act (laughs) I know I I love
0: act 2 and Into the Woods you know act 1's so lovely and frou-frou but when it starts to get really deep and really dark and dirty and you know Red Riding hood turns into a nightmare it's great (laughs) it's great do you have a favourite soundtrack piece? Um, I think, um, no, I, I don't really have a favourite favourite. There's certain ones that I probably listen to more more than that. I listen At the moment, I'm actually listening to Assassins quite a lot. Um, and Sunday in the Park, beautiful score. Just a beautiful, I mean, he, all his scores are absolutely stunning. But, you know, those are probably the two I think that I listen to the most at the moment. But if anybody out there is doing Sweeney Todd, I listen to that an awful lot as well. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah i mean, i always put like a different show on every sunday morning of his just because
0: that's a good idea yeah it's cozy that's what i'm gonna do yeah we'll have sundime sundays yes
1: that's what we'll call and it we should start that. yeah <laughs> when you got Cory, yeah
0: that must have turned things on on their head a little bit for you did you start being recognized a lot it was it was weird it was very strange i was literally I, was, I actually was actually about to pack it all in i'd had enough i hadn't worked for a couple of years after bad girls and i'd had my daughter and she was about to start nursery and i said to my husband you know what this is just this is not working. I started teaching. I'd started doing children's parties, doing musical parties. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to change agents and give it a last shot. And six weeks after that, I, I got it. It was, you know, it was one of those moments where you go, really? And that first day of filming, you know, you're walking down the street. And I had nine scenes in that first day. They throw you in. And the final scene was actually, the first eight scenes had been on the set of the Weatherfield Arms. The final scene was actually out on the street, and it was about 10 o'clock at night by then. And I'm sat there in the dark, and I was sat on on Gail Platt's, as she was then, Gail Platt's wall outside on Coronation Street. And I just sort of turned around, and everything was busy. They were setting stuff up, and I just thought, this is just the most surreal thing. I'm sat on Coronation Street, and I'm not just sat here, I'm actually in it. Um, and it, it was it was wonderful. It was absolutely brilliant. F- f- coming from that week before, where I said, you know what, I think I've had enough. To suddenly then have that to turn it all around again uh, was wonderful. it Was great. You did your
1: time in Corrie. Mm-hmm. When it came to to leaving, was that a hard decision? And was it because you you thought it's time for something new, or were, were you missing? You must have been
0: missing theatre. I was missing theatre. It was a, it was a, it wasn't a tough decision. It would have been tougher had I lived in Manchester, because then you have that thing of it's really handy. I can drive into work. I can do all that. Because I was, you know, three hours away in a car, down in Hertfordshire. It was, it was, it was tricky. I was away most of the week from my daughter and my husband, and she was between the ages of three and seven when I did Corey, so that was hard. But the, yeah, there was just that thing of I just felt like I was missing what I was trained to do and what I really wanted to do when I came into the business and you know I, I just felt storylines were starting to go around and around with the character and I wanted a little bit more I was really lucky because if you know sometimes if you if you go up to that office and say I, I want to go they go well it's not you you, you know fine but we're going to kill you they haven't killed me you know she's still around there somewhere um she I popped back a few years ago to cover Jenny McAlpine's maternity leave and it's nice that the, my family are still there in the show so there is that opportunity if, I, if you know if they call me and say do you want to come back for six weeks I'd certainly think about that I'm not certain I'd want to go back long term because I am having an absolute ball doing all the different stuff that I do now
1: well latterly you I was reading up on, on everything you've been doing the last few years and
0: it there's a lot of new work in there is yeah. that something you're really passionate about completely completely I love my new work hence being here for Call Me Vicky I did a new play Hatch and Dispatch at the Park Theatre a couple of years ago yeah I mean and I love I love doing everything I love doing my panto and again I'm really lucky that because of Corrie I can do pantos and put a little bit of money aside from the panto which enables me to do the new writing you know because we all know new writing and, and London fringe stuff doesn't pay an awful lot but that enables me to do it uh, so that's that's great it's great I love doing the new stuff and I love playing different stuff I did quartet last year where I played a 75 year old it's just crazy how, how on earth did you
1: look like that
0: it was bizarre because I you know I thought oh, but it's amazing how you can stick a grey wig on someone take all their makeup off and just fill in the lines that are already there and uh, my goodness, I'll show you a picture. Oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I'll show you a picture. Yeah,
1: it wasn't great. The question I ask a lot of people, because a lot of people want to originate new characters, but right. if there was a revival of a musical or a play that you could do and a part in that show that you would like to do, is there one that comes to mind?
0: Well, I've always said there are two parts that I would... There always have been two roles that I'd love to have done in musical theatre or love to would love to do. This is from being, you know, very, very young. Even from my audition song for drama school, I sang one of the songs, but they've just been done fairly recently over the last few years, and and a certain lady's done them. So it's chances are they won't be revived for a few more years. But it's it's Mrs. Lovett in Sweeney Todd, and it's Rose in Gypsy, which I'd love to do at some point. Choices that you cannot top, no, really. No, not really. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much. It's been lovely chatting no, to you. No, thank you for
1: your time. It's a pleasure. Um, go get your notes. I know. Go and get my notes <laughs> and see where
0: we went wrong in our first preview. oh just very quickly how long are you here for we're here until the 9th of march we do sundays at tea sort of i say tea time how northern am i (laughs) six o'clock tea time we've got a show on a sunday and we don't do mondays but every other night it's eight o'clock apart from sunday at six so till the 9th of march we're here downstairs at the pleasance and tickets uh, there's a few available not many because it's this tiny tiny space which you turned into the golden girl nightclub but um you will be immersed into the club and it's only about 15 quid a ticket so it's a bargain perfect thank you so much thank you as
1: wendy said you can go and see call me vicky at the pleasance theatre until the 9th of march next time on the podcast we're going backstage at matilda the musical with miss trunchbull herself hayden t if you want the next episode to automatically arrive on your phone just subscribe wherever you're listening to this and while you're there we always appreciate a rating and a review You can find me on all of the social media platforms, just search for Backstage With. For this episode, thanks to Tilly Wilson and What Goes On Media. If you want to tell me who you would like to hear on the podcast, just message me on Twitter at mikeyworrel one Thanks for listening.